Welcome to the Boss in Heels podcast with your host, Lara Nassessian, the podcast that shares the mindset, habits, tools, and tactics of inspiring women. Hi, everyone. This is Lara Nassessian, and welcome to another episode of the Boss in Heels podcast. I am so happy to announce today's guest for you, and that is Mark Metry. Who is Mark? Mark is an entrepreneur author, creator, mental health advocate, coach, teacher, TEDx speaker, top 100 podcast host, and just an all-round awesome human being. Mark has interviewed 300 plus of the top leaders around the world from billionaire philanthropists through to neuroscientists and professional athletes and more. And his work has been featured in a number of publications, including Forbes, TEDx, HuffPost, Mind Valley, and many more. He's also the author of the best-selling book, Screw Being Shy, Learn How to Manage Your Social Anxiety and Be Yourself in Front of Anyone. And I so loved this conversation with Mark because my God, does he go really deep and really raw and really vulnerable. And it is a kind of episode that you just don't want to miss. He shares so much about his personal struggles growing up from dealing with social anxiety and being bullied for over 10 years of his life through to suicidal ideation. It's really quite confronting, but also very informative at the same time. And we cover all of that and go through to some really tactical tips that you can take away if you're someone who struggles with any form of social anxiety or feelings of shyness or extreme shyness. If that is you, then this is the episode for you because Mark was there. You know, Mark really did suffer from extreme shyness and extreme social anxiety. And now the work that he's doing is an entrepreneur, a podcast host, a TEDx talker, and all of the wonderful things that he's doing is really on the opposing end of that social anxiety that he experienced. And now he's teaching everyone else how to overcome that for themselves. So I loved this episode. Before we get stuck into the crux of this episode, then just a quick reminder, if you are enjoying this show, then the best way that you can show your support is to subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and also recommend it to a friend, family member, peer, someone else in your network who you know would really benefit from listening to these episodes, someone who you know is shy and would really love to hear from someone's experience and expertise in this area. This could be of real value to someone and Mark's work truly is life-changing. The other thing that you can do if you enjoy this episode is to take a screenshot of it and tag me on social media, tag me on my Instagram at bossinhills underscore. And you can also tag Mark. His Instagram handle is markmetry, spelled M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y. And let us know what your key takeaway was from this episode. We would love to see your posts and I will certainly be resharing any of the posts which I see come through. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide ranging, raw and vulnerable conversation with none other than Mark Metry. 
Hey, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Lara, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here and talking to you at 7.30 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were just saying before we pressed recording, it was meant to be 6.30 my time, but um, Daylight Savings bought me another hour this morning, so I'm not mad about that. Um, yeah, but it's so great to have you on the show and, um, I've been following your work for a little while now. I think I actually found you on LinkedIn and I really just got drawn to your posts and so much of what you talk about, so much of the work that you do is something that really resonates with me and something that I feel would really resonate a lot with my audience as well, because I'm personally someone who suffered from extreme shyness growing up and have a very similar story to you in that. Um, and I don't want to spoil your story, but I was bullied at school. And um, when I went through that whole experience, it kind of kept me really quiet and it kept me really small and it kept me from doing the really important life-changing work that we're all really destined to do. And I got really, really drawn to it. And um, I think you kind of um, put a poll out about podcasting and I was like, oh, I'm going to um, capitalize off this opportunity because I feel like you would just be such an awesome person to chat to. And um, I really love your story. It's really, really cool. So I'm happy to get into all of that and so much more with you today. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the times there's many different angles that you can approach the conversation, but I think a lot of the times like people who are, you know, like destined to do great things and to change the world. I think a lot of the times, like you just, you know, you're like a kid, you're living your life and you're trying to do, do that and be that to the best of what you know. But then I think, unfortunately, like other people see that who, you know, maybe are facing their own demons or feel like they can't be themselves. So then they basically try to shut you down. And, you know, for some people, they can recover from that more easily than others. And some people maybe like me get stuck in that for over like a decade and it affects them, you know, past the point to where it's a part of their brain um, or it's sort of become like an algorithm that's happening at multiple different levels in their brain. And um, I just think that's so important. So thank you for starting this conversation on your platform. No, absolutely. It's my my pleasure to do so. And I, I want to get into your story and so much more, but I do have a bit of an odd question for you first. And that is, does the number 722 actually mean anything to you? Or is that just like a randomly selected number? I mean, now I want to know why you're asking me that question. <laughs> Um, seven, two, two is just, it's just my birthday. So I was born July 22nd. Got it. Okay. Cause seven, two, two is a number that like is embedded in me because I caught this bus with the number seven, two, two for six years when I was, um, going to school. And when I saw that, um, as part of your email address, I thought, Okay, that is either a random coincidence or must mean something to Mark. I'm not <laughs> sure, <laughs> but I had to ask. Um, but Mark, just going back to your story, you've you've had such an incredible story, and you know 
going back to sort of your early um, experiences moving to the US from from Egypt, from the Middle East, um, and then through to all of the things that you're doing now, um, you know, when you, someone looks at your profile now, they probably wouldn't have suspected that you you know, were someone that really suffered from this for, for 10 plus years or something that really kind of took over a lot of their, their childhood and, and adolescence. And you're doing all of these awesome things now, like your podcast is a top 100 rated podcast globally. You're a TEDx speaker. Um, you've written your book, Scrooping Shy. Um, you're really doing these incredible pieces of work, which take a lot of courage. Um, but it wasn't always easy for you and you've had to do a lot of work to get here. So could you perhaps maybe start by sharing a little bit about your story and your experiences growing up and, and what's really led you to going on this journey that you're on today? Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for the question. And, uh, you know, it's honestly kind of funny because for the longest time, I was just like, I have no story. Like I'm just this person just trying to live my life every day. And, you know, for me, what really, I think looking back on my life is so, you know, yeah, my parents, my parents immigrated to Egypt. Um, and you know, when we were first in America, we lived mostly in like, you know, a very poor area, but, um, you know, it's like in the inner city, a lot of different kinds of people. And, uh, I was always just like a normal person, you know, always just like trying my best. Um, and for me, when I look back as like things took a turn and everything kind of got blurry after that was moving to this small town that had like 5,000 people in it. And there were definitely, you know, a handful of great people, just like there are in every place. But this is a really interesting time because this was post 9-11 in America. And so if you were Middle Eastern or anything like that, you know, there was just like an, an intense amount of, uh, you know, like hatred uh, for just being in that group of people. And so I, I didn't really understand that. Um, and I remember just like moving to this location, this area, where number one, there was, there was like no racial diversity. So nobody literally looked like me. Um, and it was just, I was just seen like an alien, like the odd one out. And then on top of like the discrimination, the bullying, and also some other health challenges that I experienced at that time, it just like put me in like this vortex that I honestly don't even remember. Like, I don't even like, I'm completely disassociated. Um, and I just like remember showing up every day, just like not wanting to live life and just like everything being so dark and cold and empty and just always being afraid to be myself or feeling so suppressed. And, um, you know, that was like my life for, it seems like a lifetime. And for me personally, like when I was about 18 and I move away from that town and I moved to my city of Boston and I go off to college, that's, you know, really where I start to like gain more conscious awareness. I start to realize that like, Oh, I have sort of like experienced, you know, different, uh, like levels of trauma. And as a return, I, I like, I've experienced social anxiety and, um, I try to at first escape out of social anxiety. Like I tried to just like 
be more confident and like talk to more people and make friends, but that actually made everything worse. And I actually found myself in a spot where I was just like using different, you know, coping mechanisms, like eating too much food. Next thing I know, knew I was obese, drinking alcohol, taking drugs, just trying to escape my life in every kind of sense of the way. And my lifelong social anxiety that I always had transformed into like social isolation. I just like stopped talking to my family, my friends. Um, I became like seriously depressed for the first time. I always had sleeping problems throughout my life, but this was a time where I just couldn't go to sleep at night. Um, and then eventually for this period of time, I was suicidal. And so, you know, this happened in 2015 when I was about 18 and, uh, yeah. When this happened, this just like very clearly, not overnight, but it just very clearly showed me like how worse things can get. Um, and how basically like I can either be a statistic, uh, in a bad way, or I can be a statistic in a good way. And mm. I just, just like, you know, again, not, nothing happened overnight. It was a very brutal process. Um, you know, a lot of blood and a lot of, you know, nights, but I just started to realize like, you know, every, everything that happened to me happened to me for, you know, a reason as in like, it wasn't just for, for nothing. And uh, I always knew that like deep, deep down, there was just like some part of me that, um, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like, I don't know. Trying to help people trying to like, you know, I don't know, like save the world or, or like, you know, wants to be a source of light. Um, mm. and, and that had always been there. Um, but I started to realize like, that's still there, but it's like stuck deep down in like a cave somewhere in like the abyss of my soul. And I need to like go down this journey of like, literally like everything I know is wrong. I need to like literally relearn everything you know, I need to discover, I need to seek, I need to create. And, um, yeah, it was a very brutal process of just like going through layers of just trying to like fix myself, trying to fix my brain, you know, trying to deal with my mental health. And then eventually, you know, like trying to talk about that, um, online and starting a podcast and all this stuff. And so, yeah, it's definitely been an interesting journey. Yeah, it's it's a big journey and it is a brutal process. And I think there's such merit in sharing your story and these kinds of stories because I think that often there's people that are really struggling with the same thoughts, with the same circumstances. You know, maybe it's just a different variation of, of what you've gone through. But the point is that yeah. this is something that really does impact and affect people and people's lives and people's livelihoods. Their lives are actually at stake. And so through going through that process, what was the thing that that pulled you out of this vortex that you were in? Is it, was it the sort of underlying belief that you were destined for more and that made you start getting curious and start asking different questions or looking for different solutions? Like what do you think that thing was that ultimately was able to pull you out of that, this, this vortex that you were in? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, there are so many different layers and there's so many different angles to how I could answer that question. You know, like I think 
biochemically speaking, what led me to like, for example, not commit suicide was, I think, I think it sounds silly, but I think going for walks, because uh, for me, like part of how I was trying to kill myself was, um, I would like I, the area where I was living in, it was, it was, it was nice, but it was on the border between some areas in my city that aren't so nice. Um, and so for me, I was just trying to walk at like 2am in like the most dangerous areas where I knew there were like muggings and things like that. So I think biochemically speaking, walking, um, because walking is one of the quickest ways from like a neuroscience perspective to put yourself in a calm yet alert state of mind. And then I also think the fact that I don't, I never had any exposure to alcohol or drug use as a kid or as a teenager. I think that's huge. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people are stuck in that. And I'm grateful that I only abuse that for a short period of time. Um, so I think that is true biochemically. I think socially speaking, um, I always had, I had a really great family. Like my mom, dad, and my sister have always been very loving people, have always been supportive towards me. Um, there were definitely times where I felt understood, but the idea that like, I, I always had sort of like a support group beneath me. And then I also remember, for example, you know, in one of those weeks where things were very dark, uh, my best friend, Michael, I remember him and I had made plans to go do something. I don't remember. And I remember texting him the day of, and I was like, dude, I don't feel like going anymore. And I remember, I remember like when it was time for us to go, I remember he came to my dorm room huh. and, um, and I remember like he was downstairs, uh, and he was in the park across the street and he just like w- would call me repeatedly and he'd be like, okay, Mark, like, you know, we don't have to go, but just like come down and just like talk to me. And he would tell me like, I'm not going to come down <laughs> until you talk to me. So I definitely think that helped. Yeah. I also think, um, this was the time where I just started to stumble on podcasts. And so I came across the Tim Ferriss podcast and I, love the I came Tim across Ferriss an episode. <laughs> yeah. I came across yeah. like li- literally the only episode I had ever heard of him was this episode where he talked about him being suicidal in college. And so when I learned that again, it's not like any of these things that I'm talking about. It's like none of these, like, I was like, Oh wow. You know, it was like a very, very slow, gradual, um, change that I didn't really recognize. Uh, but like seeing someone like, you know, Tim Ferriss, who today is wildly successful go through and, and like, to your point about, you know, sharing your story to him, literally being in the same exact spot that I was in too, you know, that definitely helped me to realize like, Oh, just because I go through something like this, it doesn't disqualify me, you know, for the rest of my life or, you know, being a good person, Um, and then I think too, the other part of that is I definitely think like some spiritual element of like, I remember, I remember on one of my walks where I was walking and I remember this was one of the nights where I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have any headphones. I wasn't listening to any podcasts or anything. It was just silence. And I remember walking and reaching to the spot, like in my city that was usually very busy, but it was like 2 a.m. at night. So there was literally nobody, no cars, no, not a single sound. And I remember hearing like this, such like an eerie um, sense or like volume 
of just like nothing. And, and it was, it's almost like if someone took a remote control and hit the mute button, it's just like, it's almost as if all sound shut off. And I remember in that moment, all of a sudden, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but all of a sudden having like a very small moment of clarity. And I don't, I don't mean to say like, I heard a voice because I didn't hear a voice. I wasn't hearing voices. Um, but like, for example, there's this, there's this quote that I read today that comes across beautifully. And it says, um, you know, there is a voice that doesn't use words. And I think part of that for me was like reaching this moment of like clarity and silence to where I actually like heard myself. And again, I didn't hear anything specific, but I think one of the things that I realized when I was going for these like nightly walks was I realized that my brain is just like giving me different thoughts. And like what I realized is that like my brain, it's almost like an ocean in terms of like waves. So like, for example, if you ever go to the beach, right, and you sit on the shore, what you'll realize is just like the ocean it just like always has waves. One wave crashes then another wave crashes and another wave crashes, another wave crashes. And I basically realized like, Hey, this is what my brain is doing. But with my thoughts, like no matter what I do, no matter how happy I become. And, and then also just for context, like at this point in my life, I was 18, but I was also like making six figures doing something that I actually enjoyed. Um, and so for me, like I was quote unquote, like successful on paper, but just like deep down, I still had social anxiety. I still had all these different problems. Um, and so for me, I realized like, oh, my brain is like this machine. And one of the things that I realized on one of those nights was, um, you know, like I had, I always had such a bad self-esteem, but I always feel like I was deep down, like I was always a friend to myself. I was always sort of nice to myself. And I remember when I was going for these walks and like my brain, you know, was literally telling me the craziest stuff. And the best way I describe it is like my brain broke. Um, I remember having this, like in that moment of clarity, thinking back to those thoughts that I had just thought and just being like, wait, who, like whose thoughts are those? Like, I, I'm not even, these aren't even my thoughts. Like I'm not even thinking that not in terms of like whose voice I'm hearing someone else's voice. It's just like, wait, I don't actually believe these things deep down. And I never realized it because I was always just like busy, 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 never gave myself, you know, a silence time to think. And I started to realize like, Oh wait, my brain is just this thought generation machine, similar to like an ocean. And basically what it's doing is like, it's taking what it heard from the outside of like what other people had told me and it just internalizes it in my own voice. And then it just like repeats it like a machine. And yeah. I really, and again, it's not like I was just like walking and all of a sudden I just like realized this, but it was like these different moments of clarity here and there. And I remember, you know, in that, that specific night where I, you know, heard that sort of silence in that moment, I sort of like realized what I was doing because in the time I, I had no idea. I was just stuck in like this automatic trance and the next moment and the next day and the next coping mechanism and the next pain and the next escape. I was just like stuck in this trance and I, I really had no idea what I was doing. And when I experienced this moment of silence, again, I wasn't, I didn't have like a tremendous amount of clarity, but I just like remember feeling a lot of emotions. 
And I remember just feeling like, wait, what am I doing? Like in the middle of the road, like at 2 a.m. And I remember just like running home to my apartment building. And I remember when I ran home to my apartment building, um, I remember going to the bathroom and I remember just like looking at myself in the mirror in the bathroom. And I had, it was kind of a weird experience because I felt like my perspective had shifted somehow. Like I was just looking at things differently. And I remember like in that moment, all of a sudden, just kind of like feeling my legs and all of a sudden just like looking down and just like feeling my waistline. And I was wearing jeans at the time. And I remember just thinking like, wait, I don't, I don't remember buying skinny jeans. And I remember like in that moment, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was just like slowly starting to realize that like over the last like two or three months, I was just like stuck in this trance um, which was ultimately like the result of all my lifelong problems crashing down into one and my brain being like, I, we can't do this anymore. Um, where, you know, I was really just, you know, using food, alcohol, drugs, different things to cope with my emotions. I had gained like over like 75, 85 pounds wow, in like that yeah. very short period. And like, when I realized that thing that I said about my skinny jeans, that's when I realized like, oh, wait, things have changed. Like there's something going on here. And I remember like, that was like the very first like realization. That was like the very first um, sort of step that I saw. And like, from that moment, I just started to like, try to research. Like at first it was just like, Hey, how do I lose weight? But then that eventually, you know, got me to stumble down all different kinds of different ideas about like how our brain works. And then that eventually, you know, started this domino effect. Yeah. But that really, when I look back, that was like the first kind of moment. Yeah. So it was kind of happened on accident. Yeah. It sounds like such a pivotal and profound moment, which has really been the catalyst of all of the other things that you're doing, right? Because I think sometimes it's just as simple as that one obscure moment, which was not planned for, you weren't trying to do anything, but you came to some sort of realization in that moment, which really sparked this journey of wanting to better yourself, whether it was you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, or otherwise. Um, and then you've just been able to, you know, go on this trajectory um, and really start to realize, I suppose, what your your purpose is, right? Because going back to that feeling of knowing that deep down there was something more in you and you had, you didn't think that you had a story to share, but I mean, <laughs> you just shared an incredible story, um, which is super powerful. And, and so Mark, I'd, I'd love to ask you like, when, when was the moment that you realized then that you were suffering from social anxiety? Did you come to that realization of what it actually was at the time that you started doing all of this research and going on this journey of, you know, personal growth and, and personal development and wanting to better and improve yourself? Or did it come about in, in some other form? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so it actually, it actually happened before. And uh, I remember it just like it was yesterday. I literally remember it was at the first ever college party I had ever gone to. 
And, um, you know, like you can laugh at me, but again, like I said, previously up to that moment, I had never gotten drunk before. And I go to my first college party, um, you know, my roommates that I was with, they were all drinking. I started drinking too. And next thing I knew, I was like, wow, I can talk to anybody. And, (laughs) and I remember just experiencing like the exact opposite of what social anxiety was for the first time in my life that started to give me the awareness of like, wait, so why am I like this in any other moment? And like, how did pouring a chemical down my body, how did that all of a sudden change how I'm able to be confident, how I'm able to be open. And so I remember that was my very first moment of awareness, but what was interesting is like, you know, I had just sort of like Googled, like, you know, what, you know, what the hell's going on. And I had sort of kind of stumbled on it. I didn't really think too much of it though, to be honest with you. And I remember sort of being like, okay, well, if I have social anxiety, then I have to challenge myself to try to get out of this. And what was interesting was that I tried to, uh, you know, I tried to challenge myself to get out of social anxiety. And I would, you know, I'd create like these challenges for myself where I'd be like, you know, if you see anyone in the cafeteria today, sitting by themselves, go up and try to talk to them. But what was interesting is that every single time that I tried to do that, uh, I just like failed. And every time I would try to do that, there would just like be this deep, uh, just like, by, I don't know how to, like, a, like in my skin that it just would feel like my brain and like my nervous system would just like hold me back. And like, it was so weird because like on one side, there'd be this part of me that's like, go talk to them, go talk to them, go talk to them, go talk to them. And there's be this other part of me that just like has complete control of my behavior and is just like shutting me down. And so when I realized I had social anxiety, I tried to deal with it, but I, I couldn't work. And so when that, when that happened, that I think is what really, you know, led and triggered me to be very depressed and eventually suicidal because I was like, oh, wait, I tried to fix this. It didn't work. Oh, crap. I'm screwed. I'm hopeless. I'm going to be stuck like this forever. What's the point of living my life if, if I don't feel like I can live my life or I can be myself? You know, and so that's how it happened. And it really wasn't until, you know, like I literally reached a point to where, again, like my brain broke. And, you know, I think of it a lot of times as like a disease, you know, the same way that like, if a heart attack kills you, suicide is a a brain disease, Mm. but I had never really understood that before. And so for me, when I went through this period of, you know, literally my brain broke, breaking to becoming obese, then I got a completely different perspective on what social anxiety actually is, which I think, you know, is more or less how, your brain is operating and how it will create different like biochemical responses that then control your mood and your thoughts and your behavior. Um, and so, yeah, that was super interesting, you know, and, but then finally, once I started to take, you know, try to like repair my brain, then eventually I, I went back and I started doing those, challenges that I mentioned, the social anxiety challenges, and then things worked like a charm. And then I was able to incrementally, I did this thing called exposure therapy. Yeah. And then I was able to, you know, you know, eventually, you know, peel back the layers of social anxiety, so to speak. Fine. 
Yeah, I think I heard you talk about this in in your TED talk, actually, when I was doing my homework for this conversation. And for those who don't know, what is exposure therapy? Yeah, so basically exposure therapy, um, you don't have to do with like a therapist, but basically the way that it works is you essentially incrementally and systematically expose yourself to your fears. So specifically when it comes to social anxiety, for example, there are four layers. There is um, people will be socially anxious about some layer of their physical appearance. You know, so for me, that was, was a lot of different things. It was, um, I was never really athletic growing up. I, you know, feel like I, my physical body lacks structure. Um, my skin color growing up in an area where nobody looked like me, um, growing up poor, I wore the same clothes to school again and again, which then starts to create this physical social anxiety. Um, so that's one layer. The second layer is, um, the, uh, the signs of social anxiety itself. So for example, uh, if you are shy enough times, then eventually your brain will be like, Oh, other people can tell that you're shy. Or for example, if maybe one of the symptoms of anxiety for you is like you start sweating or you start stuttering or you start blushing, then a part of you is like, Oh wait, other people can see that and they can know that you're anxious. So then that like, it creates this feedback loop within a feedback loop, um, which makes anxiety a lot worse. And then the third layer is people will be anxious about um, like their social skills. They'll feel like, Oh, I don't know how to introduce myself or I don't know how to have a conversation. Um, and the fourth layer is people will be socially anxious about their personality or like their sense of their character and who they are deep down. And so basically what you do is you go within all one of these layers, you do some homework, you realize, Hey, how did this layer get there? Um, and then you start to slowly put yourself in situations to where it's a safe situation and you're systematically showing that and you're exposing that. So for example, for me, um, you know, one of the things that I did, for example, like to overcome my clothes, you know, poverty, physical appearance, social anxiety was I would go to the most crowded public areas and I would try to wear the craziest clothes <laughs> to condition my brain awesome. to literally be like, Hey Mark, everyone is staring at you. <laughs> because, you know, because a lot of times when you have social anxiety, you already think everybody is, yeah. staring at you, you know? And so you basically put yourself in these situations, but then you're like, what is someone going to do? They're going to come up to you and be like, Hey, you're a loser because you're wearing a, a pink cowboy hat. Like, no, no one's going to say that. And even if they do, I'm sure they're going to joke around with you. Um, you know, and that's why I don't necessarily recommend you do it right away. Uh, because if this is like your first everything that you do and it may cause more harm than good, like it did in my case. Mm. Um, and so, and so, yeah, that's like an example, but basically you go through these layers, you go through these, you know, increments and systems, and you can either do it by yourself or in a journal or with someone else. And you just like do this again and again and again and again with all these layers. And then usually within like three months, six months, um, a lot of the times, like the social anxiety, it's, it's sort of, I don't want to say gone, but basically you get a new perspective when you're back in those situations that used to trigger you. 
And it really teaches you how to get your sense of free will back. Um, and yeah, it can definitely be very powerful for sure. I got to write an article on it. Yeah, that's awesome. And it really is something that I think a lot of people suffer from more than we realize, or we might just not know how to define it, right? Because I know, like I mentioned earlier, when I was growing up, I suffered from extreme shyness and it probably was a degree of social anxiety without me even being aware that that is what it was. So I think that we sometimes classify ourselves as being shy, but I suppose there's a difference of being shy in certain contexts versus suffering from extreme shyness, like a debilitating shyness where you want to say something and you can't even, you know, the words won't even come out of your mouth to, you know, to that degree, it's debilitating. So for someone who is suffering from, let's just say varying degrees of shyness or perhaps more on the the extreme end of the the spectrum when it comes to shyness, would you recommend that they go through this type of process or are there other sort of tools and tactics that you felt really helped you sort of on your journey? Because it sounds like it wasn't just one thing. It sounds like there was a a multitude of things that you've tried and tested um, and now you've been able to sort of work out what what those different pillars are perhaps and how they kind of interact and interplay with each other. But I'd just love to get your take on that and for anyone listening who does experience shyness and is is wanting to slowly rid themselves of that and and step into a more sort of powerful or, or confident space yeah so i think you know like your question is uh is great and uh you know just in terms of like distinguishing you know what's the difference between these two things here's what i think i think that you know shyness is a totally normal and natural human reaction. So for example, like I have a niece um, and she's two years old. And like, for example, if we are, you know, hanging out somewhere or we're, we're chilling at my sister's house and let's say like somebody new comes, right. As someone who she's never met before. What I've noticed is that there's always this period where for like the first five minutes, she's kind of like a little bit, you know, standoffish. She's kind of a little bit just like watching, you know, she's not talking that much. She's just very, very observant. Right. And I think that is totally normal when it comes to like being shy. Like it's totally normal to, to feel shy when you're in a new situation. If you're meeting new people, you know, for like the first five, 10 minutes, it's totally normal. Um, However, where it becomes an issue is like, Everyone, like, for example, everyone gets shy, you know, if you're, if you're like 13 years old or, or you're not, you know, asking a girl out, for example, but like, that's not social anxiety. Social anxiety is when you basically are so shy and you're repeatedly shy to the point where it doesn't really go away. And to the point where basically what happens is there's now a part of your brain that is like constantly searching in the environment that's like, okay, if this happens, then I'm going to act shy. Right. So if, um, you know, I don't feel supported, then I'm going to act shy. Or if, um, you know, if someone raises their voice or I feel like they're more confident than me, then I'm going to act shy. And like, basically what happens is 
really the way that I think about it is like your mind and like your brain and your nervous system in terms of like how you physically feel, they like form this team together. And basically like what happens is, okay, uh, you know, they see this kind of a person or they step into this kind of environment. And then part of their brain is like, okay, now it's time to like initiate shyness. And then maybe they're, you know, their shoulders will be a little bit more hunched over or maybe they'll sit and sit like in the back or maybe they'll, you know, like, you know, go to the bathroom a lot. Like they'll try to avoid the situation um, and, or maybe they'll start to stutter or they'll start to sweat or they'll start to like tap their feet. And like, really what happens is that ever since shyness kind of begins around the ages of eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, it sort of like plants the seed. And if it's not really caught, then eventually what happens is that every single day when you show up and you're shy and then you get nervous to be yourself and then these little things that happen and then that happens to you every single day again and again and again and again and again, then what happens is your brain starts to like get the message and it's like, oh, okay, this is just how we're going to be. And it creates like, again, like this algorithm, like this AI that is running you without you even really knowing it. And next thing you know, you know, you start to maybe have like some other side effects, whether it's, you know, social isolation or substance abuse or, you know, the need to like escape or you, your sense of confidence or your self-esteem starts to go down, or you even start to become shy towards the people who you, sh- you shouldn't even feel shy around, like your parents, your family, who have known you your whole life, that starts to leak into other areas of your life. Um, and so, it sort of becomes just like this all encompassing algorithm. That's really just a system of it's, it's gone from just like your mind, your thoughts to now it's like a part of your brain, which then controls the chemicals in your nervous system, which then controls your behavior, which then controls your thoughts, which then controls how people view you, which then controls how you view yourself and your identity and your society, which then controls how you feel accepted by your society. And then it leads to so many different things, you know? And so um, I think that's how I sort of differentiate it, you know? And, And then here's what I would say too, like, I'm pretty confident now social anxiety doesn't impact me a lot. But here's the thing, like, if someone was like, hey, Mark, in 20 minutes, I need you to go speak at like, I don't know, like the UN, the United Nations to like a group of rocket scientists about rocket science, I'm going to be so anxious. <laughs> I'm going to be so nervous, right? So I think it's also another one of those things of like, you know, being shy is totally normal. It's like a natural response, but it's like that conditioning of being shy all the time, which usually has to do with like your previous, you know, consistent life events and environments that you experienced as a kid, you know, growing up. Um, And so that's how I sort of, you know, differentiate it. And then when it comes to, you know, how people can look at this, um, you know, there's quite a few different layers, you know, so there's like the four different layers that I mentioned of anxiety itself. But I think a great analogy that I've learned um, is a lot of the times like you learn, it's really a feedback loop. Uh, it's an interaction between like your mind, your thoughts and your, your brain. And the way that I visualize that to people 
is like, you know, if you have like an iPhone or if you have a phone, right. Um, your brain is the hardware of your phone. So the, your brain is like, it's like the screen. If I open this up, it's like the memory card, it's the motherboard. It's like the, the performance, all that stuff. And then the software, which I think is like the mind that is, you know, like the version of iOS that Apple puts out or the version of Android uh, and like different apps. And I think for me personally, like, and I think what a lot of people get stuck on is if you're not just shy, but you're anxious, this is beyond your mind. And I think a lot of the times, like where a lot of people get stuck is there's like, there's always a huge emphasis, especially like in these circles online of like the self-help, the self-development, the entrepreneur community of like, you know, it's all in your mind and it's all about your mindset and your mind and your mindset are great. But also like what I've learned is that um, your mindset is not a substitute for, you know, having an undealt mental health issue for 10 years. And, and so a lot of the times people are, they're like just trying to use the software and it's like, imagine as if like, imagine you have like an, an original iPhone three or like the original <laughs> iPhone, the first iPhone. Right. Yeah. And it's like super outdated, super clunky, but then, you know, you get an update request from Apple to install like the latest version of iOS, you know, 16 or whatever they're on now. And it's like, no matter how great the software is, no matter how great your mind, your mindset is, if your hardware is outdated, you're never going to be properly able to install the software of the mind. And for me personally, like the issue is like when you are stuck, uh, to a point to where you have no energy, your brain is in this constant loop of thinking different thoughts. And as a result of that, you know, the, the dozen or so like different neurotransmitters that we have in our brain that basically help us function and, and, and live life and, and regulate our emotions and our thoughts, those start to become dysfunctional. And then what happens is you just get stuck in just like this mode in your brain. And the reality is, is like, again, listening to people's stories is great, but like no podcast is going to get you to like, you know, change your state of your brain. That's impossible. And so I think a lot of the times um, this analogy can be helpful between like your software, hardware, your brain, your mind. And I think a lot of the times uh, people need to focus more on their brain, not necessarily their mind, which I think people view as sort of counterintuitive. Mm. And there's this great quote from this, um, from this doctor that says like, if you fix your brain, your mind will follow. And huh. like, that goes yeah. back to my story in terms of like, I, I think my mind was fine for the most part. Sure. I had problems like everyone else, you know, but like, for example, when I was trying to work my way off so social anxiety, I was just trying to use my mind, my mind, my mind. And then if your brain is hijacking your mind, you're never going to be able to have actually access of your mind, you know? And then I had to go through this whole experience which then taught me like, no, 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 you need to focus more on your brain health. And then once I did that, that actually gave me more leverage over then using my mind properly and then learning all these other, you know, things. And so I think when it comes to like social anxiety or any other mental health or any, 
any like ongoing, you know, issue that's been happening for years and years and years, I think you really do have to look at the other side, which is your hardware. And I think it's, you know, it's sad because I think most people, when they think of like your hardware, people just think of like your body, right? Like, do you have a six pack? How does your body structure look and all these different things. And a lot of the times, like, that's just a very, very, very small aspect of the scenario. You know, like you can, you can see someone's, um, you know, you can see someone's face, you can see how much weight they have different body parts, but like, you can't see their brain. And like, that's, I think the bigger, you know, thing that we should be asking yeah. and questioning. That is so powerful, such a powerful analogy. And I think that the way that you've reframed it um, will really resonate with a lot of people because it's, um, you know, and I'm I'm a big believer in just the spirituality side of things as well. And I know you're a spiritual warrior yeah. too, Mark. Um, but, you know, we really are, you know, spiritual beings sort of embodying this human body, not the other way around. And I think when people actually really understand, not just intellectually, but embody that, then, you know, that's a really powerful shift and um, can really change the whole, you know, trajectory and course of, of someone's life and meaning that they assign to their life. And speaking of which, I've got one like final question for you before we jump into our rapid fire round. And I wanted to ask you, you're doing so many incredible things, Mark, and you've established all of this in such a short period of time um, through going on your own journey. But out of all of the things that you're doing, what is the number one thing that you want to be remembered for the most? Oh, my God. It's a loaded question. <laughs> I know, but you can handle oh it. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know, I think the biggest thing for me is that, um, you know, I want the people who feel like they don't have a voice, whether it's because they've experienced any of the problems that I've experienced, you know, of whether it's bullying or discrimination or, um, you know, coming from an interesting culture, um, or feeling suppressed or, uh, facing, you know, poverty or facing physical health issues or mental health issues. I just want all those people to know that like I was exactly in their shoes and I just started to just like bet on myself and I just started to take steps and I just started to make every day count. And then next thing, you know, you look up years later and, you know, people are saying nice things about you, you know, and you, and you have a completely different life. <sighs> um, so I was able to know that. And it's interesting because literally the, I was on a meeting, uh, it actually wasn't a meeting. It was actually a podcast that like this, like 17 or like 18 year old girl started. And like, I could see th like that in real time of like her thinking like, Oh, I can't do these things because I get nervous. But then talking to someone like me, who I'm like, yeah, I get nervous too. <laughs> and then there's all these different things that you can do about it. Then they're like, Oh wow, I can actually do this and, and go through these steps of creating my own voice. So that's what I want to be known for. That is 
incredible and you're already doing that. So it's just such an incredible purpose and um, great response. So thank you for sharing that. And I know we've only got a few minutes left, so I want to just go through our five rapid fire questions. And the first question I wanted to ask you is, um, I was going to say, I usually ask this question and say, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20 year old self? But I feel like for you, maybe it's more like your 18 year old self. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would say Trust yourself, bet on your instincts. Uh, You know more than what a lot of other people know, at least about your life. But um, don't think that you know everything and you need to step outside of yourself and, and realize that you're probably wrong about a lot of things. And the best way to overcome that is just by learning. Yeah. That's what I would say. That is great advice. Question two, what is one thing that you've gotten better at saying no to? Oh, man. Uh, that's so interesting. Um, if there's any. So if personally it, for, yeah, you go ahead. There is something specific. Yeah. Um, so, for example, like I started to say no to um, like speaking engagements that are not uh, paid. Yeah. And just the reason why is just because like all these different companies or conferences invite all these speakers to do these events, which is really a way for them to gain publicity. And then they charge people money. Um, And for me, like I take what I do very, very, very seriously. And so if I feel like someone is just like doing it just to do it and I'm not even getting compensated for my time, but yet I'm going to put in effort, I'm not going to say yes to that. So um, early on in my speaking career, I used to say yes. And I think that's great advice to say yes, but now I'm past that point. Good on you. I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Question three, what is the best investment that you've ever made? Oh, I mean, the easy answer is, um, the easy answer is of course, like my, my mind, my brain, because I'm, you know, whether I, I literally have billions of dollars in my bank account and I have the best family or I have the best, whatever, I'm still going to be in my brain. And I know that if I don't train to use my brain, my brain is going to use me. Um, so that's it. And then also I remember buying in 2014, I remember buying Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I literally knew nothing about it. So that was also the second great best investment. <laughs> that is so good. I love that you threw that in there. Question four, <laughs> what motto, quote, or saying do you live by? Or oh, just man. a favorite quote um, or one of your favorite quotes that you want to share? You know, I honestly just go through so many different like moods, uh, but <laughs> I have different quotes. Um, but I think one quote, um, that resonates with me is uh, two quotes that resonate with me are um, no matter what happens, you should always like put your head down. And I think I made this, but maybe someone else did. No matter what happens, you should always put your head down at night and prioritize a mindset that will allow you to believe in yourself even more regardless of whatever happened that day. And I feel like for me, that's been one of the best things because no matter what happens, I always have that at the end of the day 
Um, and that always gives me a sense of hope and, and, you know, for a better future tomorrow and a chance to try again. Um, and then another quote that I really like is, um, there's two lives within you. There is the, you know, living life. And then there's the unlived life within you. Um, mm. and there's so many other quotes. There's like, um, you know, and if you, you know, if you do this thing, then you won't love it. But I forget that. But anyway, yeah, there's two different people, not two different people. Oof. There's two different lives. There's the, the, the life unlived within you. And there is the, just the outside life that you have that is just like, just like going with the flow to just like, you know, uh, you know, appease different like social structures and things that you've always just been saying yes to. Mm. I didn't even know that made any sense. That made perfect sense to me. I totally okay. get that. Perfect. I love that. And, and final question is what habit routine or ritual has most positively impacted your life? Oh man. Um, it's so hard to say, but I definitely think, I definitely think learning how to meditate mm. has been a huge, uh, thing for me because, um, I discovered meditation in 2016. I've been doing it mostly every single day. And like, for example, at the start of this year, I was like, let me do an experiment. Let me stop meditating for a month. Worst month of my life. <laughs> <laughs> literally the worst month of my life, even though like objectively speaking on paper, like nothing was actually worse. Um, so I think meditation is one of those things where it's honestly just like taking a shower for your brain or just like, I'll feel so much stress about things that happened the day before that, whatever. Um, and then I'll just meditate. And then not every time, but most of the times, um, you know, especially because I've been able to learn from many different meditation teachers. I've learned many different forms of meditation. It's, it's so complex yet simple. Um, and for me, it's like, I just come out of my meditation session and I just feel like someone just like took my brain and all the crap that it has and just like shaked it up and just like washed it. And not again, not every time. Um, but yeah, I definitely, definitely need that for sure. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. I, I feel that as well. And Mark, you have written this incredible book, Screaming Shy. Tell us, you know, where people can, you know, buy a copy of your book, connect with you, see what you're up to and anything else that you have going on that you want to share with our audience today. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, really the best place is if you go to my website, which is just my first and last name.com, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y. That's the best place for people if they want to check out my book, if they want to check out my podcast, um, if they want to contact me, if they want to sign up for my email newsletter, uh, really everything. So that's the best spot. And um, and if people go to my website, there will be a, like a small little email box. And if you put your email in there, you will automatically be signed up for my like email newsletter. And every week I try my best to put out like two or three very educational, informational articles all about this stuff. So, and then if you get an email from me, you can respond directly to that email and it'll go directly to me and I always respond. 
back to those emails that I get. It's a big commitment. (laughs) I'm I'm so impressed. Um, But I'm Uh, sure. Sometimes fail. A lot of times I fail. Yeah, it's hard. Two weeks to respond to your email. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) Some response is better than no response at all. So I'll I'll take that. But um, that's a very generous offer, Mark. And thank you so much for sharing all of that. We'll put all of the links to what you've just shared, um, your website, but also maybe some of your social pages as well um, in the show notes to make it really accessible for everyone. But I have so enjoyed this conversation with you, Mark, and connecting with you. And like I said at the start, your story um, really resonates with me and certainly will resonate with a lot of our community and audience listening today. So thank you so much for coming on and for so courageously and openly sharing your story. Of course. Thank you for having me on and and you're a great host and you make it easy to share my story. That's very kind of you to say. Thank you so much, Mark. And thanks to everyone for watching. Woo. Yeah. Thank you for everyone for listening or watching. (laughs) Recording stopped. That was was awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. You are such a natural. I mean, clearly you've done this like 500 times or something, whatever it is. But yeah, I really appreciate it. It was such a great conversation. And I think it's really going to help a lot of people too, because you've shared so much tangible, tactical stuff that people can apply to their lives, which is just awesome. So thank you. This is yeah, great. Well, I'll um, be in touch with you and let you know before we release and um, prepare some social yes. assets and all of that kind of stuff. The only thing I was going to ask you is, do you have anywhere that I can go to get like um, images that we can use for like my website and social assets or if you want to just email a couple across? Um, or Yeah, 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 I can do that. That would be awesome. But um, yeah. Other than that, like I'll be in touch to let you know before we release it, but um, which will probably okay. be in a few weeks' time. But thank you so much, Mark. I'll let you run because I feel like you've got somewhere to go and I don't want to keep you. Yeah. But it's so great to connect <laughs> with you. Thank you so much for taking the yeah, time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, I look forward to speeing in and yeah, let me know when it's up. Yeah, thank awesome. So Thanks, Mark. Have a great night. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Boss in Heels podcast. Be sure to visit bossinheels.com for a ton of information, resources, and articles on all things career and personal development. And subscribe to this podcast for all future episodes.